Welcome to Window of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 17, Absolute Power. This was the first one that I actually watched on Amazon, and holy crap, the, <laughs> the quality is so much better. Isn't it? Yeah. Yes. It is. It's, yeah, they have they have the good copy. I, I honestly, I'm still baffled at whatever Netflix was working with that was just like, this is not, no, no, I don't know. But yeah. They have so much going on. They just got the cheapest one. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But so, also when I was scrolling from back and forth, like it did say the show names for me properly. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. I'll have to take a look. Maybe it's just how I'm going. Maybe because it's just sort of on my continue watching screen and I'm not like going into the series. Um, maybe how I'm like yeah. navigating to it, it. The format is a little different. No, possibly. Yeah. And I see yeah. what happens. That is something that I like about Hulu and not all of the programs do it is no matter what, when it does that continue watching thing, if you click on it, it goes to the show itself, not Mm. the exact episode you have been watching. And that does kind of get to me with other platforms is it's supposed to be super convenient of literally continue watching where you were, but I don't always want to go to that exact place. So if I do want to go to the show, not just where I was, I have to then look it up rather than just like clicking on the thing. But Hulu, every time you do it, it takes you mm-hmm. to the show and then it's like proceed or, or yes. go to where you Yeah, are. that is nice, especially if you're like rewatching something and you'd maybe like watch an episode here or there and you're like, I want to go watch this other episode in this other season. And you can just, yeah. Right. Go there. all over and like for cooking shows and stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Hulu. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you get Stargate? They did have it for a while. I think Atlant I think Atlantis might actually still be on there. I think. Oh, cool. Possibly. Maybe we should switch over to that. Well, no, it's not time yet. We have to wait till season seven. We're still a few years <sighs> okay. away from Atlantis. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um so anyway, so absolute power. Did you remember this one? What like what? I, well, I didn't remember the plot exactly, but what I did remember was the scenes that you had used for music videos. <laughs> this was another one where I picked yep. it out and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a few, yeah. Yeah. Cause... I, I don't know if it's just because we are doing this rewatch and, like, so much of this comes up all the time and just, you know, in sci-fi in general, but it did kind of get to me the whole plot line of, like, man cannot be trusted with anything important because they will just fuck it up. <laughs> I mean, that is a big theme in sci-fi, yes. Yes. And so yeah. so at the end of this, I was just like, ah, okay. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this, this one takes it, kind of takes that and kind of twists a little bit because the last person you would expect to be corrupted by something like this is Daniel. So that goes to show, like, not just power, but specifically the knowledge of the Gould and how dangerous it is. If it could do this to like the moral center of our show, this is very just dangerous knowledge for anybody to have and why the Gould are so evil and bad and gross. Yeah. Yeah, Except for we've also had multiple episodes already about how some sort of something has corrupted Daniel and he has to be brought back from 
Okay, Amy. From the abyss. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, so that also was yeah. not like it would have been way more interesting if it was Sam, right? True. But yeah, I don't know. Hmm. How would this have worked if it was Sam? And would it have worked? Because I don't, right? Because I don't remember giving her an episode like this before, but Daniel's had multiple. Yes. Hmm. That is an interesting thought. Sam does, something does happen with Sam later in a later yeah. season. I'm trying, I'm, I'm only getting vague recollections of the, the Sam, we do, something weird does happen with Sam later. Um, yeah, I don't remember. We all I don't know. know. Yeah, but. um. Or Hammond, huh? Oh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've been interesting, yeah. Just saying. Little yeah. thought experiment. Yeah. Okay. Here's homework for our for our listeners. If you want, <laughs> write in with what you think would have happened if Sam or Hammond had been the one to like have this thing happen to. Like, would like right. would it have hap- Would it have worked? Would they have gone evil and done the things that Daniel did? Mm-hmm. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Also, having <laughs> also being a Marvel fan and. And, you know, that thing in Endgame where Doctor Strange tells Iron Man and Tony Stark, like, I have looked through 57 million outcomes and there's one where this turns out in our favor. Like, so watching this episode, too, like, it was still only one scenario. (laughs) It's it's true, yeah. There could have been many scenarios, many people, many things. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously this was a TV show shortened for time. We couldn't yeah. actually go through all the scenarios, but still. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> are you just saying or are you just saying? I'm just saying, you know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> all right. Well, shall we, shall we get into it? Let's get do it. it. Okay. So this originally aired on January 19th, January 19th 2001. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Peter DeLuise, and we have Robert and Peter on the commentary. And in this episode, when a chosen boy found on the planet Abydos is brought to the SGC, he sends a telepathic message, causing Daniel Jackson's personality to undergo disturbing changes. Will the rest of SG-1 be able to solve the mystery of the boy's origin before Daniel becomes a power-hungry warmonger? dun 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 so, uh, so this episode opens on Abydos, and we see SG-1 walking with Kasuf through the desert. And this is, unfortunately, this is Kasuf's final appearance on the show. We don't see him Aww. again after this. So, yeah. Yeah, well, this kind of closes it's, out the whole Shaare thing does. anyway. It does. Yeah. So, um, but it's nice to see him when we can, so. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kasuf is telling SG-1 about what, what has happened recently and that he and some of his other people have heard this mm-hmm. voice calling out Sharae. And also there was like a giant sandstorm and some people mean, think that means that the Gould are coming back because whenever Ra would come back, there would be a giant sandstorm, which I don't know why Sam says that it was because of wind coming out of the Stargate. It's because of the ship, you know landing on the pyramid and wind, like that's where the sandstorm came from with the ship landing on the pyramid not wind well, i think she was talking gate. about this particular instance somebody noted that it came through the stargate did she like the, the kid that's what i thought it was is that this this particular one with them talking about the kid arriving it was wind coming through the stargate hmm. oh okay 
It's just when we're, we're talking about a wind that blew out of an active stargate and formed a sandstorm. Oh, that's what she meant. Okay. Yes. Because I, I, yes. Okay. I was getting confused because Kasufa said about when Ra came back, there was a sandstorm. And I thought that's what sand, they were still talking about that. But oh, that makes more sense then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Saying that. Okay. Now I got it. All right. <laughs> Um, so, but no, definitely not. The ghouls are not coming back. It's fine. Uh, so they make it to the place where Kasuf heard the voice and Sam is reading a buildup of static electricity. And we then see like a column of sand blow up out of nowhere. And a voice is heard saying, Daniel. And luckily everybody hears it. Like not just Daniel. It does seem like everybody hears it. So right. this isn't like Daniel going crazy kind of thing. Uh, Daniel then responds. He's like, I'm Daniel. Who's calling? What <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love that I, response so much. <laughs> but like, I guess, what would you say? Hi, I'm I'm Daniel. I don't. Uh, I just love how he closed. Who's calling? I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, now. Um, <laughs> so then the 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 column of sand kind of collapses, and we see a young boy in monk's robes appear, and he says his name is Shifu, and that he is Harsesis. As we cut to the opening credits. Aha. So did you remember what Harcesis was? Like what that meant? Yes. Yes, I okay. did. And um, I haven't also seen that in a while. But isn't that um, also the in the Kung Fu Panda? Isn't that what the master's name also is? Master Shifu? I've seen bits and pieces of that movie once. But I think so. Yeah. That it sounds just, right. It just made it a little bit more funny. Yeah. <laughs> Because now I was picturing Dustin Hoffman <laughs> as the voice uh, of the little kid. Yes. Uh, so uh, we come back from the opening credits and Daniel comes out of a tent where he has been talking to Shifu and tells the rest of SG-1 what's going on. And there is apparently um, a deleted scene that we actually saw inside the tent with like Daniel and Kasuf and Shifu talking about stuff but then i guess since daniel comes out and tells sg1 what they were just talking about and you know the episode's running long let's just sort of you know cut to the chase thing so we unfortunately have a cut scene with kasuf laying on the cutting room floor somewhere mm-hmm. uh so daniel does believe that uh he is the horse he's the, he's the this is the child that Amonet gave birth to uh although everybody's like are you sure because he was just born like a year and a half ago like he this is like an eight-year-old boy like the age thing doesn't Totally match up. Uh, and Tilk mentions it may have been possible for Apophis to have like manipulated his DNA in some way to make him age faster, since the purpose of this child was to be the new host for Apophis the symbiote. And uh, they ask if Shifu has said anything about all the cool knowledge he possesses, and apparently all he would say is that Oma taught him to forget. So they're going to take him back to Earth so Janet can, like, look him over and make sure he's okay with the advanced growth thing and kind of figure out, like, what to do from here. You know, he actually really, really is the Harsis is what, like, what do we do now here with the child? Which also, like, ah, yes, this thing that we don't know anything about. We have no (laughs) idea if he's legit, what kind of powers he may possess because she showed up in a giant sandstorm. Let's take it back to Earth. It'll be fine. But Daniel said he's okay, so it's fine. Daniel right. trusts him. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Yep. Nothing could go wrong. Yep. Uh, so Hammond is waiting at the ramp to greet them when they return, and Shifu says hello by saying, a spark lights a flame, but the candle will only burn as long as the wick. 
and then we get Jack's lovely hold trying to decipher that metaphor into the, the whole ball of whole ball of wax. Like, <laughs> yeah, yes. Did you, did you try to figure out like what it meant to you? Uh, so I think so, you know, he's introduced to Hammond as the leader of this facility. And so, you know, he Hammond is the wick and he's the one who keeps the facility aflame, a quote unquote, if you will. And, you know, alive and living and thriving, I think. And he, he thinks Hammond is a good person and is, yeah. is, is a good long wick. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Um, so like, so this is basically how Shifu talks for a good chunk of the episode in these sort of cryptic Zen cones like that monk did back on Keb. So I think it would have been amazing if he showed up and said the meal was cooked a long time ago. If what is that one? If, the, <laughs> if you if immediately you know, the, know the candlelight was fire, the meal was cooked a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It would have been amazing. Yeah. I did make note at the end of all of the little things that Shifu says. So if we want to go through them at the end. Trying to figure out what he means. Because um, we did so well the last time. We did, yes. Uh-huh. Of course. We're <laughs> we're geniuses. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we get a quick stop at the infirmary for a blood draw, and no, Shifu, you won't be getting your blood back when Dr. Fraser's done with it. Which I mean, this kid is like the cutest. He really is. He does yeah. he's a he does a really good job of like portraying somebody with like infinite knowledge but is still a child like yeah I would agree yeah yeah and again like in the commentary again they too were like this kid was like we were very lucky to find this kid because yeah Mm -hmm. so up in the briefing room uh we find out that Shifu has been aged using nanotechnology like what happened with Jack back in the episode brief candle they are inactive now though so it's all good and they try and figure out is it because he's like reached a pre-programmed age where they were supposed to shut off automatically or maybe oma figured out how to like turn them off to stop the aging process that way Mm -hmm. Um, but either way he's fine he's in no like physical danger so they then start to discuss what he knows and that you know he has all the knowledge that apof has had at the time he fathered the boy uh which is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which, is, which is yes which is which that that's a lot of knowledge and according to Tilk also why the Gould are evil because Daniel sort of equates it to like you know a thousand Hitlers and stuff and it's so then it makes sense why Oma would help sort of bury that knowledge and the memories like way deep down in his subconscious. Sam then comes in and tells them that the Chokra think they can use their memory recall device to help get the Gould memories out without physically harming him. And again, Jack is just super duper thrilled that they call it the Chokra. And Hammond's like, we had to. And he's like, did we? Um, did we, though? Okay. Did we, though? Um, and, you know, great that it won't physically harm him. And Janet's like, what about psychologically? And Daniel's like, what about emotionally? Because that's a lot of really bad stuff for a kid to be forced to remember and he's like I get it this is very important knowledge and can be helpful to us but how could we possibly ask this child to do this and Hammond's like maybe he'll understand and then you know maybe he can forget again at some point so there's still there's that debate of what is the right thing to do for all parties involved here not just for us the SGC but also for this child. Mm-hmm. Which I like that they actually yes. had this conversation and we're not like, yay, we found him. Let's yes. harvest his brain. Yes. Let's ask him about it, which yes. Yeah. Again, great. Uh, so Daniel goes to talk with Shifu and is apparently telling him about Share and how wonderful she was and also about what they want to do about getting the memories out. And it seemed, you know, 
Shifu gets it, but he also tells Daniel to release his burden. And he's like, Daniel's like, yeah, I know. Somebody else told me that before, too. And they're maybe getting somewhere, and he might kind of, he kind of seem like Shifu might be close to saying, like, yeah, okay, let's do this. Um, but then he, like, reaches up and touches Daniel's forehead, and we see a bright light kind of shoot out of the palm of his hand, and Daniel falls to the floor unconscious. So, interesting thing. So, in the commentary, this is where Robert starts talking about how, because this is a dream episode, this scene, they're telling you that this is a dream episode, where the whole dreams teach thing that, like, Shifu starts mm-hmm. going on about here. So, you shouldn't feel tricked or surprised at the end when it's revealed that's a dream, because we told you that this because, was a dream. Yeah, yeah. We told you beforehand, so don't get mad at us. Well, for um, me, the really big giveaway was the time jump. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. So sometime later, Daniel wakes up in the infirmary. Uh, He's fine. Uh, We see him kind of wince a little bit in pain. We get like this flash of some kind of technology thing like floating in space. And uh, Jack comes in and asks him what's up. And Daniel's like, I think Shifu gave me what I asked for about, you know, fighting the ghoul. So that's interesting. So Sam and Daniel are in Daniel's office where he's explaining a schematic that is apparently this this thing that we got the flash of when he was in the infirmary. And it's just information in his head. And Sam seems very impressed, but also overwhelmed at whatever this thing is. And also it's powered by heavy liquid naquita. And Sam uh, questions like liquid naquita, but Sam knows what liquid naquita is because that's what powers staff weapons. So... She shouldn't be surprised that liquid naquita is a thing because she knows it's a thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, anyway, so uh, Sam and Daniel are then in Hammond's office with the blueprints for this device that was just on Daniel's blackboard. And it's basically a satellite, Sam says you could call it, that would be able to detect ghouled ships when they're still light years away and also take them out with the weapons that they have on board. And it wouldn't be just one. It would be like this whole sort of network of them surrounding the Earth. And Daniel's like, theoretically, because I have all the knowledge, we can do this without having to involve the Tok'ra. Like, we don't have to tell them about this. And Hammond's like, but what, like, why would that be bad? And he's like, not that, you know, they would intentionally do anything, but spies are a thing that they've had a problem with. So let's, you know, yeah. maybe keep this on the down low for right now. So this is where we start getting, like, is Daniel okay like, like red flags. Yeah, I love like, everyone's face in this scene. Yes. Um, Daniel, also, Daniel also assures Hammond that Shifu is not a danger to anyone, but Hammond doesn't. But Hammond does seem concerned about how Shifu gave the knowledge to Daniel. Because, you know. Rightly so. Yeah. Not great. Uh, so, but it's kind of like, okay, let's kind of see where this goes. So Ham's going to call the Pentagon to see about getting them more people to help work on this new project. But basically this plan is is a go. Uh, Daniel's in his office working on the satellite and some calculations. And he apparently had summoned Tilk for some urgent help. And Tilk came right away, even though he could not complete his Kelno Ream. And we then see a flash of Tilk in his full Jaffa regalia bowing to Daniel. With that, uh, hmm, that's interesting. And basically, Daniel just needed help with the translation, which basically it means subatomic energy particles. It's like, thanks, dismissed. And you see Tilt kind of look at Daniel like, what? Hmm, this isn't this isn't the Daniel I'd like. Tilt's, Tilt's, Tilt's not sure what he likes what's going on. This, it's weird. So, 
I I was kind of confused if all of his flashes were supposed to be memories surfacing or like hidden feelings manifesting or I don't know. I think it's maybe a little bit of both. Like Apophis obviously would like have memories of Tilk kneeling before him because that was basically his job. But then, we, but it's it's sort of getting twisted into Daniel's now the one in power with the knowledge, with the power. Right. So Tilk would, of course, bow to him because. Right. But like the other flashes that he eventually gets seem to be more his imagination. Yeah. So that's why I was kind of like, oh, are these supposed to be memories or like hidden thing? I don't Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of a mishmash of yeah memories with maybe hidden desires and, you know, those urges that usually you tamp down on because that bad thing to think about. Mm-hmm. But just with everything else, they're kind of, you know, coming to the surface a bit more. Right. So up in the briefing room, Daniel is finishing up a presentation to General Hammond, Sam, Major Davis, and a couple other official personnel from the Pentagon, I guess, since they're sitting with Major Davis. Um and so right now, the most important thing for this project is the retrieval of Naquita. And the, this is where we really start seeing Daniel changing. He just like keeps steamrolling over anyone with any kind of objections or questions or suggestions. And like, he's like, this is, I, this is, this is the plan. This is what we're doing. And no, the Tokra and the Russians don't need to be involved. And also two years is too long. It's going to be done in one year. Yes. Even though that means doubling the budget. So it's not impossible. And Daniel apparently has plans to outsource pieces of the construction to various civilian companies, but strategic enough that no one really knows what, like, the full picture is of what is being built and for what purpose. Uh, Major Davis has concerns about how the various petty nations will react once the U.S. starts launching these satellites. Basically, Daniel doesn't give a fuck. Also, here's some personal demands that he expects the Pentagon to fulfill for him. Okay, bye. I'm out. (laughs) I love Major Davis's face (laughs) after this whole conversation where Daniel just like, no, I want this. I want this. And these things are for me. Make sure they get approved. And he's just like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Personal demand. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. So Jack then goes to visit Daniel in his office. And for some reason, Daniel like has the Gould hand device on like why that's out of storage. Who knows? Um, but obviously he can't use it because he doesn't have Naquita in his blood, but he knows exactly how it works. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, Jack has some concerns about Daniel's behavior and why he's giving orders. And Daniel's like, well, the Pentagon said I could, uh, which I and Jack's like, okay, sure. You're under a lot of pressure, but still like your attitude like needs a little work here. And Daniel's like, why, why are you mad? at me i'm finally on the like i'm with you let's build weapons let's like kick some ghouled ass and also i've recommended you to oversee the whole like neck whatever retrieval operation why aren't why aren't you happy is it because it's me that i'm the bad guy like and like you kind of get where daniel's coming but like i i see both sides of this like i get why daniel's frustrated and i get why jack is concerned and it's just yeah these two work really well together and i like it a lot yeah. yeah, yeah, and how do you properly explain, like, like what he was saying, like, it, yes, it is because you're not fighting me anymore, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's like, I know, but also, 
Daniel has all of this knowledge now and maybe understands a bit more Jack's side of things. So it's I don't yeah. it's very interesting to really kind of see both sides of this argument here. Um yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um and then, then oh and Jack's like, "Oh, by the way, where's Tilk?" And then we get a flash of Daniel using the hand device to throw Jack across the room and but Tilk's on a mission and he'll be back when it's done. And final and, thought. Yeah. And then we uh, we see Apophis being dragged into like a, a Gould throne room kind of place, and he's on his knees begging for mercy from Daniel. Ah. And we can tell he's evil Daniel because he doesn't have his glasses. Yes. And he's got the Elvis <laughs> costume on, as they called it, with the big collar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we then jump to one year later. Uh, Daniel wakes up in his bed in a very fancy house, and he looks out a window and sees Sam being let in through the front gates. And he's apparently also had LASIK sometime in the last year because he's not wearing glasses or anything. Right? Why not? Daniel does not need glasses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so out in the hall, an assistant gives Daniel some like updates on his day, and NASA is apparently still way behind schedule, which Daniel's not happy about. He then tells the assistant to send Sam away and find out why her security pass is still valid. So apparently Sam's not supposed to be there. Oh, man. In the dining room, Shifu is eating Fruit Loops. Nice callback to Window of Opportunity. And mm-hmm. Daniel's not hungry, uh, but Sam barges in and starts yelling at Daniel that, like, she's figured out his big plans and knows what's going on. And Daniel just tries to like play dumb and kind of write her off as cracking under the pressure and being jealous of everything. But no, she knows what's going on. The whole strategic division of labor thing. Yeah. She's figured it out. And then we get a flash of Sam being tortured with the pain stick. And she then looks at Chifu and is like, what did you do to Daniel? And I was like, you leave him out of this. And she's like, I'll tell everyone what's going on. They'll believe me. So this is kind of a plot hole that I was thinking of, of like, okay. what, did she figure out exactly because really the only thing that changes in the very end is just Daniel's motivation because obviously these things are weapons Mm -hmm. intended for defense but could be you know weapons to attack and this was not a secret at any point in time yeah I think she's figured out he wrote in some kind of master override like we see him do at the very end and when general virginia's okay. like you're not supposed to be able to do this he's like haha watch me um i think sort of like that's what she's figured out that he can take over and do okay. whatever he wants with it because that okay. i don't think that was supposed to be part of the the project so at least i think that's what that that's what it is yeah that was it's really the only thing that makes sense Okay. Because it's not like he would go around telling people, okay, haha, here's yeah. what we're going to do. If the president yeah. doesn't do what I want, I'm just going to take over. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about something. So this is something that Robert mentioned, like, like while they were editing this episode, whenever we get those, like the flashes from Daniel of like Tilt being tortured and Sam being tortured and stuff, it's sort of like a double edit of, you know, the scene from slightly different perspectives or slightly different takes. And apparently the editors didn't like it, but like Robert didn't like he had to fight like really hard to like keep those in. What 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 do you think about that from just like an editing perspective? 
from storytelling. Wait, just tell me a little bit more though. I don't I don't understand from what you're saying of what was different. Um, okay, so if we go back to sort of when Daniel had that flash of Tilk kneeling when he's in mm-hmm. his office, it's sort of like two takes. It's not just one take of Tilk kneeling and that it's just like one flash. It's like a double mm-hmm. flash and sort of the camera's in a slightly different position for the two takes and Christopher Judge is doing something slightly different in both of the takes. Um, and apparently the editors weren't sure about it and didn't really like it and tried to at one point they tried to like not have those flashes in like at all but like Robert had to fight really hard to keep a just keep the flashes in and b keep them in with that sort of double edit to it I thought it helped a lot create kind of like a fantasy scenario I think it's what helps create um the effect that it was something in Daniel's mind rather than something that was maybe foreshadowing or something that may or may not have happened. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That it, it, it helped create more for me the, um, the message that it wasn't reality. Okay. Yeah. I would agree. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're still in there. So yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. Agreed. Um, Okay, Uh, so we then see Jack going to visit Sam in jail, and Sam has apparently, like, not showered in three days based by the state of her hair. I don't know what's going on with her hair, but it's really weird. (laughs) It's just, I don't know. Um, But her makeup's fine. Yeah, her makeup's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, And Sam is just frustrated that no one will listen to her, and Jack's like, yeah, everybody thinks you're crazy. And he, like, he wants to believe her, but, like, there's no proof of anything and also apparently Tilk is dead because of something Daniel did or made to like some Daniel somehow responsible for Tilk's death maybe uh and Jack's like I mean you were helping build this thing and you couldn't stop him like what what do you expect me to be able to do like if you couldn't stop him what makes you think I can do anything and she's like go talk to him I know they were trying to build up suspense but the fact that everything is vague was not helpful <laughs> because yeah. they never actually say anything. It's always just like, oh, you know what happened. You didn't, you can't prove anything, but it's, you know, I know it was all meant to build up TV suspense, but it just, it was not helping the situation at all. Okay. Um, there is a cut scene uh, that I think was going to be sort of in this next bit when Jack goes to visit Daniel, where Tilk isn't actually dead. Daniel has been holding Tilk hostage to be able to like do blood transfusions so that Daniel can use ghoul technology. Oh, what? But I think that they decided that would that was a little too much. Oh. That, was a little, that was a little too dark. Uh, oh. so. See, I I didn't get the impression that Tilk was dead. I thought that he just like left. Okay. But did they say at some point in time that I missed that he was dead? No, it's just like, you don't still blame, do you still blame him for Tilk? And it kind of, I don't know. It's to me, it seemed to imply that Tilk was dead. Um, let me see if I can find the conversation. Do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that uh, he was dead, just gone. Okay, yeah, Sam says, what about Tilk? You don't still blame Daniel for that. And Jack goes, I couldn't prove anything, could you? 
Mm. I mean, again, it is vague enough that you could take it either way of death or not death. I took it as death. Yeah. Okay. And it's just supposed, okay. So if there was a cut scene of him being incarcerated somewhere, maybe Daniel framed him for something. Oh, possibly. Yeah. But like, I, but in, in the cutscene, like Jack is surprised to see Tilk like alive. So I think the cutscene would further imply that everybody thought Tilk was dead, but, but without the cutscene, it is a little, yeah, more vague. See, it doesn't help. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so if this is a dream sequence, how is it that we are getting the scene between Jack and Sam? And that's because Daniel's been watching the whole thing on CCTV. Yes. I actually had that thought myself. <laughs> like, here's your explanation. Uh-huh. So Jack goes to see Daniel. And I love this scene. This is like one of my favorite scenes of the whole show. Um, and it's like, hey, nice to see you. Sorry. But Jack's like, I, the fruit basket was nice. So thanks for that. And he's like, oh, is it launch day? Who knew? Surprise. What? What, what a coincidence. Uh, so Daniel invites Jack to stay and is like, you want to come watch? He's like, yeah, okay. And he kind of like, Daniel then like walks over to the middle of the room and kind of just stops and stands there. And da- Jack's like, what? what's going on? And J- Daniel kind of like beckons him closer. And Jack's like, okay, walks a little closer. He's like, what's going on? And then uh, D- Daniel has a ring transporter in his house. What? Because elevators are such a pain in the ass. <laughs> I tell you what, everybody that he has as his like assistants or helpers on this ship or bunker or wherever they end up is just like a straight up psychopath. Uh, it is in the basement. They do say that in the commentary. Uh, they call it Daniel's Batcave. <laughs> okay. I thought it looked slightly more like Bond villainy. But you know, yes, it kind of does. It's a, it's a very, it's got a very villain layer vibe going yeah. on with it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so they're down in the control room where there's like monitors everywhere, and Daniel's got this really cool chair seat thing that's like so cool. Uh, and no, he the, like this is just like monitor and help fix things that might go wrong. Of course, the government has control in place so Daniel can't take over the world. Right. <clears throat> <clears throat> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then get uh, basically a video call from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, General Fedrine, who calls in to congratulate Daniel, who then congratulates him. And the launch has a go. The countdown starts and the rockets carrying the AG-3s are launched. What do you think AG stands for in this? Oh. These, are the, these are the AG-3 satellites. Given what their function is. American Graffiti. Anti anti Gould. Anti Gould satellites. Man, that's so not creative. I know, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we get like monitoring of the systems and like some shots from outer space as we see the satellites settling into place in orbit, and uh, and and that's it. It's done. Every everything is Yay. online and in place and and functional. Uh. They pop some champagne, which, did he really have to be holding the champagne bottle like that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, really? Um, and apparently you can't see the label, but according to Peter, this is Dom DeLuise champagne. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, so they pop the champagne. Jack refuses, and Daniel's like, are you sure you're about to be a national hero? Because now that we have these satellites, the president is going to make the Stargate program public knowledge. Uh, then we get some uh, not so good news, though. Uh, we get a news report brought up on one of the screens that the president is delaying his address due to escalating tensions. Daniel calls Vadrine back, who says that the Russians and the Chinese have gone on high alert, and the Russians are alleging that the launch of these satellites are in direct violation of the previous agreement over Stargate technology. Which, yes. Which, yes. Uh, they are repositioning one of their satellites to try and take out some, one or some of the AG3 satellites. Daniel's advice to the president is to just show them what the U.S. is capable of. So they do, and they take out the Russian satellite. So quite easily. Yes. So Russia then steps up, steps up, is getting ready to launch more satellites. We'll respond to that appropriately. Blah, 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 blah. Global nuclear war. And Daniel's like, mm, but can we just like cut to the chase here? And we know that, you know, he's had enough. and is about to do something bad because he gets the slow villain push in Zoom. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, Daniel pushes a couple buttons, takes over the system, gets Vidrine off the screen, and targets Moscow. And boo! Jack tries to shoot Daniel, but he's protected by Gould personal shield, of course. Yeah, I don't. I'm not entirely sure how that one was was a surprise. Yeah, and Daniel's like, didn't you think it was funny you were able to get in here with the gun? Like, through security. Like, come on, Jack. You never were that bright. It's like, oh! Oof. Ow. Uh, yeah. Do you find it um, weird, though, he didn't try to shoot anybody else in the room? Well, I, I think of course, Jack would probably see them as, like, innocent bystanders in a way. Shoot him in the leg or something. I don't know. If if you're in the military, you are always trained to shoot to kill. You never shoot to maim. You always shoot to kill. Alrighty, so, you know, yeah, I'll take that. I'll go yeah. with it. Okay. Um, one of the interesting things they brought up in the commentary was whenever General Vadrine is on the screen, uh, Stephen Williams, who's the actor, was actually just in like a room next door and is actually a live feed into the room where Daniel is. So those two were actually like acting opposite each other, like in real time, rather than having to have like Michael try to act to like a recording or something. Oh, so, that's cool. That's rare. Yeah. That's always good when I think when they're able to do that, because it's definitely yeah more real conversation yeah. if you will so yeah. that was cool um so we then see several satellites turn and start getting ready to fire and jack tries pleading with daniel not to do this that they never actually really proved that shifu was the harsis's child this could very well be an elaborate gould plot to try to get daniel to destroy the earth they've used mind control and children before this wouldn't be that big of a leap which Okay, sure, that's possible, but that all assumes that this isn't what Daniel wanted all along. <gasps> what? And, and then boom goes Moscow. And oh my God, that guy with the like the actual actor assistant guy that's doing all of the pushy button and destroying of the things, just the creepiest dude. Yeah, target eliminated or whatever. Target something like that. Like, no emotion whatsoever. Never, they must no. have just recruited on like Psychopath Anonymous because there's just, <laughs> and the other woman in the room, like no reaction whatsoever. So that guy has actually been in so much stuff. What is his name? I had it up here. Where did it go? Uh, Yi Ji So. Uh, he's, he's credited as Left Tech. Just like the guy <laughs> on the left. 
<laughs> you don't have a name. He's left tech. Um, but he's been in, uh, he's in the Snowpiercer series uh, okay. recently. Um, he, he'll pop up again in Atlantis. Uh, he was in Smallville for several episodes, uh, Battlestar Galactica, Da Vinci's Inquest. He was in uh, the a Doctor Who miniseries, which I think is not like real Doctor Who, um, like Dark Angel, like, uh, oh, wow. yeah, so much stuff. So like this guy is like, yeah. All over the Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I wonder so. if he always plays a bad guy because holy crap. I don't. There I was don't just mean. there was just nothing on that dude's face when he did. I know. Blipped out Moscow. Yes. Um. So, but yeah, very good. And I also that actress earlier back back at the breakfast scene after Sam gets dragged out and she just turns is like, is she crazy? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So boom goes Moscow. Cut to the infirmary at the at the SGC where Daniel is still laying in a bed unconscious. So just in case you didn't get it before, this has all been a dream vision thing. Uh, Yay. And Janet says it's not really a coma since he still has a rapid eye movement. So apparently he's just in a very deep sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, up in the briefing room, Aldwin is here from the Tokra and he brings up the fact that Shifu might not be a harcesis. And apparently all Shifu, all Shifu will say that he's doing is that he's teaching Daniel and Aldwin suggests using the Zaytark detector to at least find out if Shifu like really is who he says he is. So, mm-hmm. so they're getting Shifu strapped in for the testing and you know, it's going along okay. And Sam asks what he's teaching Daniel. And so Shifu says that the true nature of a man is determined in the battle between his conscious mind and his subconscious and that the evil in my subconscious is too strong to resist. Enter Daniel, who concludes the only way to win is to deny it battle. And so apparently uh, that, that, that Oma lady really is worth listening to. Huh? Yeah. Uh, so Daniel woke up, apparently learned the lesson he was supposed to learn. And so now it's time for him to find a new path. And yes, Shifu really is Harcesis, but no, you can't get the knowledge from him. It's just too dangerous. And so Shifu then turns into a ball of light and starts to leave the lab. And Jack tells Hammond that he should order everyone to stand down. And Hammond's like, by saying what? <laughs> which, so here's what Hammond said, which is great. Uh, so he gets on the intercom. He's like, all personnel, this is General Hammond. A glowing energy being is headed for level 28. We believe it is headed for the gate room. Lower your weapons and do not attempt to intercept it. So, uh, so we follow Shifu as the ball of light as he you know, makes his way through the base. And we see various base personnel lowering their weapons as Shifu floats by. And here's where we get our Peter DeLuise cameo. He's uh, the guard on the left in the hall right outside the gate room which he's kind of far away and it's hard to see, but there, 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 there's our Peter cameo. I wondered if there was. Yay. Yep. Uh, so the gate activates and we see Shifu sort of uh, recoalesce a bit in the ball of light, waves goodbye to Daniel before heading off through the gate. And that is the end. Do you think they uh, were able to catch where he was going? Uh, no. I'm going to no. go. I'm going to go no on that. So Would that's fun planet to go to. It would have been. Although I'm sure he probably just didn't stay there. It was probably just, you know, a stop off on the way to wherever his real destination is. Mm. Uh, so that's absolute power. And that also kind of wraps up the last bit of the sort of Chabre storyline for Daniel. So, uh, yeah, so he has now, now, now a new path he has to find to follow because 
Charest, Charest's done, basically. Yep. That. Um, so we'll see what happens from here with Daniel. Um, so, yeah. Um, do you have any memos for this week? Yeah, I couldn't really think of any. I'll just, you know, it's the same kind of <laughs> thing that we talk about mostly. Uh, crap. Yeah. I guess. Okay. Oh, listen to Oma Dissala. <laughs> Okay. Listen to the I still yeah, I <laughs> it just makes me think of the other episode where we meet her and it's an entire episode of like Daniel thinking that he learned all these psychic psychic <laughs> abilities. Then at the end of the episode he's like, Oh, wait a minute. Oh. I didn't I didn't learn anything. This is all you just like humoring me all day. Yep. 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 Yeah. Okay. Uh so the episode title uh, obviously, uh, an allusion to that the axiom power tends to corrupt. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, and so the continuation of that is then great men are almost always bad men, which was interesting. I've never heard that part of it before. Oh, um, would, would you like some information about like where, who said this and when and all of that stuff? I'm a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is, is a quote by John Emmerich Edward Dahlberg Acton, first Baron Acton, 13th Marquis of Grappoli, which is a region of Italy around Tuscany and Liguria. Uh, he was an English Catholic historian, politician, and writer. And the quote comes from a letter he wrote to an Anglican bishop in 1887. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. uh, for foreign territories, basically everybody also called it absolute power, except for Germany, who called it unlimited knowledge. Oh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, would you like to go through all of the Shifu sayings and see if we can figure out <laughs> what what is? Maybe we should make all of these the memos today. All <laughs> 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 of oh, the Shifu's. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Um, well, we went through the first one with the, you know, the the flame and the ball of wax. Uh, next one was leaves fall from the tree once a year, but the tree still grows strong and proud which that's when Janet was taking blood from him. Yeah, that one actually did make sense with the situation instead of just like, what? That one fit. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next one is, if the instrument is broken, the music will be sour. And that's during uh, his and Daniel's conversation uh, when they're trying to, you know, talk about, hey, we want you to do this thing, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, when he was when he was protesting against learning and le against unlocking his knowledge yes yeah and that was also what was daniel's reply like the music doesn't play the musician yeah yeah that was daniel's response yeah that was interesting mm -hmm. yeah so these mostly all pretty much make sense in context mm -hmm. um there was uh then sort of at the end there was the mind is always free which is when they're getting ready to do the you know zatark detector thing um Questions are plentiful. Answers are few. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, all roads eventually lead to the great path. Of knowledge. Yeah. So, do you, do you ever wish that you could just, like, pull these out in normal conversation and delight and confuse people when they ask you fairly straightforward questions? <laughs> I didn't, but now I might. <laughs> Yeah. Keep some of these in your back pocket for the holiday season when people just ask, okay. like, so, what'd you do this weekend? 
questions are plenty answers are few yeah <laughs> uh, yeah if i may have to anyone, hmm. if anyone just kind of goes okay yep i'm gonna go now okay Good talk. <laughs> um okay so overall thoughts do we like it yes i mean i like it this is one of my favorites i like it a lot it's a daniel episode how could i not uh your your sort of final thoughts after we've talked it through I did like the episode. I thought it was good, but but yeah, my other comments still stand of of like I am getting kind of tired of like man can't be trusted with anything important. They will just fuck it up. And yeah. also I thought of been I I know it was supposed to be a Daniel journey, mm-hmm. but I think it would have been way more interesting if if it had been like Sam or Hammond or something who had been in this situation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So again, if, if you want to write us in your thoughts about how Sam or Hammond would have reacted to the knowledge, let us know what you think. Write, yeah. write, it, write us a fanfic about it. Yeah. I mean, it would have been really interesting, even if they do go dark with it, like for Sam or Hammond, like with their military knowledge, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, before we wrap up, we have another email. <gasps> Yay! Somebody else actually wrote us. Yes, uh, from Robert again, our new friend who first started in last week. He's writing oh, a little follow-up. Um, this time about Google technology. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were talking about in Dead Man, switched about why all the Google like tech and ships like look the same. Like you know who, who who's the Google <laughs> designer? <laughs> so we get into every now and then. Yes. <laughs> um, so uh, he says maybe at one point when they first started taking hosts, they did in fact build it and or found tech from other races and expanded on it and had been a slightly less fractured race. But over time, as they became more power hungry and gained more of a God complex, they broke off taking they broke off taking what they could with them, but now being so fractured, they are almost at a standstill as to being able to change anything. So unfortunately, because of this, we will never get the glam rock God we need to see. Dang. I know. I mean, I, I do, that, that does make sense that like, you know, when they were maybe more unified, build the technology and then I don't like you and go away but then you don't maybe have people to help improve or change things so yeah new stuff so yeah makes sense although I I would argue that ball is probably closest to the glamrock god ghouled sort of prototype if you will not prototype archetype that's that's the type archetype (laughs) (laughs) prototype archetype that's what I was looking for um Yeah, I tell you that Ball is maybe our, our Glamrock Gould. Yeah. God, yeah. I kind of attributed it more to um, they got to a point where they feel like they didn't even really need to make any improvements because mm. they were so awesome. Just why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are they do seem pretty, like, all super powerful and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but, but still, I... I do think it's funny to to imagine in that universe that somebody had to have designed those things. And yeah. <laughs> and been like, okay, yep. we're going to do this now. Everything yeah. is going to be gold. That's our color. Everyone looks best in gold. Black and gold. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fire everywhere. Fire. Yeah. yeah. Torches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yeah. all right well thank you everybody for listening as always you can still find us on twitter for now at sg underscore rewatch although we now are on instagram as well at sg underscore rewatch there's there's not much there yet still trying we're we're still trying to figure out like what we want to do like how to do instagram for a podcast i'm not i'm not sure exactly 
the best way to figure out about that yet. what exactly you post for that sort of yes. thing. Yeah, obviously, you know, when in, when episodes go up, that information will be there. I don't if you if anybody out there follows other podcasts on Instagram, like what kind of stuff do they post? Do you like it? What would you like on Instagram? I don't know. Let us know. Um, there's also I found Hive social media, which basically looks like Twitter. Um, I'm still playing around with it. I don't think there's a ton of people over there yet. I'm just kind of poking around with it, like on like my personal Twitter and stuff. Um, but it basically seems to kind of fulfill the same kind of function as Twitter. So that might be an option if, um, I am starting to see more people like from Twitter going, oh, hey, I'm over there now. So that might become a thing. I don't know. We'll see. Oh, hey, you could get on the ground floor of Hive. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's where we are on social media or always you can send us an email at woo. That's W O O S G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next time for the light. Bye. Oh, Bye. and to our years listeners, happy Thanksgiving. Yay. All right. We'll see you next time.